I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Hey, everyone. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Um, at the time that we are recording this, we still don't know what <laughs> what is going on with this election. Uh, the, we don't ever know what's really going on anyway. It doesn't matter. The presidential election. <laughs> I'm in a very annoyed mood. So we're going to jump into an article uh, here shortly that annoys me as well. So I'm just going to sit in my anger today. So come along on this journey. But I did want to spend a couple minutes. Uh, Jason, you had something on the last night or the election? I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of laugh because I just, there's a reason why I got a marketing degree, right? Like, and the reason I say that is because it's not about anymore about the true things that are going on. It's about what you can make everything look like and persuade people to believe. And I'm saying that's from both sides. I don't care what anybody says, right? They're all doing that. And it's all about the magic of misdirection, right? But, you know, I'm just, I just, I don't understand. I'm struggling. The the main part I'm struggling with, and I, I don't know, maybe you'll cut this out, but is the idea behind the fact historically you know, and, and people can use different terms for it. And I know you kind of said it a little bit different way, but you know, the Republican side is for you know, smaller government. Ideally, the Democrat side is usually for you know a little bit more government control and that type of thing. But what I find is really interesting is no matter who I talk to, they're uncomfortable with the fact that 
we, we as a society don't really trust what's being provided to us as factor information anymore from the government. We don't really trust that things can be done properly. Is it really for the best thing for the people? And that could be from both sides, right? So just with that basic idea or basic concept, I don't understand how anybody could vote for larger government or more government control, um, relying on them for better, for more distribution of wealth and those types of things or whatever, like that gives them control. It gives them power. Um, and again, I'm not knocking anybody. This is purely my opinion. You know what I mean? Um, and I will have rational discussions with people that I believe are rational that aren't going to tell me I'm an idiot for thinking what I believe. Right. Cause I'm not going to tell you you're an idiot for thinking what you believe. I'll tell you, I don't agree with you. Yeah but that you're not an idiot. So I just, I, I, I look at that and what scares me the most in that whole scenario is that I feel like it's not, there's nothing rational anymore. It's just that the, the idea of rational, which is based on your own experiences, right. And, and your own, you know, thoughts and mindsets and beliefs is just not the firm hold anymore. And so I, I don't know where you go from there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's, there's just it's all I, over the place. I know that's all over the place, but yeah. my mind is for sure all over the place right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody. No, there's a, uh, I get what you're saying. Um, and there is a clear divide in how people perceive the government and the country right now. Mm-hmm. Um, to your point about, you know, government taking care of more things, and people not trusting the government at the same time. So there's two things, two different things going on there. I think people have issues with the way that government is now and the individuals that are in it. There are a lot of corrupt people that are there solely to pad their pockets, make their connections, make their business connections for after they get out of office mm-hmm. and can hook up their families and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what people don't trust about the government. So us on a daily basis cannot manage all the things that we need to on, like to take care of, um, the community's life, uh, safety, uh, health, where welfare. So you need to hire someone to do that, which is the sure. government. Sure. Um, I mean, there's arguments that you could do it privatized, but right. there's issues there as well. We talked about in our other recent podcasts about privatizing things. There's issues either way. Yeah. Would be fair to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the idea is that government will manage things that, in my opinion, are a right as a human being. Housing, uh, health, uh, what else? And just bare minimum um, necessities to survive. So if we can get to a point where, you know, we all agree that we need to handle those certain things, um, I think we're at a better place. Or the alternative is we get back to a point where uh, we basically force the wealth gap to narrow much more so that people have the resources to, ca- to take care of themselves. Because at those, at that period, which is, I believe what Trump refers to as make America, make America great again, that period where the country was the most prosperous, the wealth gap was extremely narrow. Um, 
taxes were much higher on the wealthy and that money got pumped back into the system. Uh, companies took care of their employees and the government um, introduced programs that infused housing construction and manufacturing and all these different things. Um, so all of that created all these jobs because of government infusing those programs. So, um, but, but some of that was delayed, delayed problems, right? So when you talk about companies taking care of their employees and we're talking about, you know, their pensions and all the benefits they gave them and all these other kind of things where those individuals worked out really, really well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For them in that time, they crumbled later because you can't sustain that. No, that's some not of why. Those that, were, some, of those, some of those things are not sustainable. No, that's not why. Uh, by the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of deregulation and companies started to switch to not taking care of their employees as much and paying more to executives and to shareholders and all that money went to the top. People got paid less. They started automating things, cutting jobs. Yes, this is true. Well, no, I think, I think we're picking and choosing some of that. And I'm not, I'm not telling you that some of that's not true mm-hmm. because I, do, I, don't, I don't care what system you set up. Mm-hmm. The people that are going to make more money are always going to make more money. Yeah. And they're going to find a way to do that. I don't care who you are or how you do that or what you think you can put into regulation. Mm-hmm. Those, those smart people or conniving people or whatever we want to call them, mm-hmm. they're going to figure out a way to, to get remunerated for what they believe is what they're doing. Right. And, and, and I, in a lot of ways, I tell them, go for it. Like, I, it makes sense to me, but that's going to happen no matter how you try to regulate it. But a lot of the big companies that we had back then that crumbled or that went into bankruptcy or whatever in the last 15 to 20 years, they could not sustain what they had promised people. And, they, like and there were Ford. some bad choices that were made as well. Like Ford. There were some bad choices. <laughs> you, think Ford, you think Ford is a company that fell? <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot, like a lot of the big companies that you're referring to, I mean, and, and I promise I'll do the research and pull out those companies and show you because I remember I had to study this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's not sustainable. Just like a lot of the government jobs. Like I love, there's a reason police, firefighters, all those other kind of things, which I love and support. I love and support, but they get paid in perpetuity. Like these are programs when you had a privatized company that can't support. There's a reason why they don't do that anymore. You know what I mean? And from a government perspective, they still do it. Well, you know why there's a big deficit in a lot of different things. You can't, you can't sustain that. There's no way to do that. There's no way to generate enough income further and further out to be able to pay people in perpetuity and take care of the things that were promised. I think it's a wonderful idea. Well, I, I disagree with the pension program. I don't, I don't think that you should get paid forever in, in that. But that's what happened. And that's what made a lot of these companies fail because they all had pensions. And it was all based on the idea that because you've been there for 20 or 30 years doing the same over and over and not necessarily generating anything else, you should be paid more and more. You know what I mean? And that's still something that comes with people today. Like even when you talk about, you know, it's like, well, I've been with a company for 10 years. Okay. You get paid for that every two weeks. (laughs) You're doing your job. That doesn't mean you get more because you've been loyal. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been loyal too by paying you every two weeks. You know what I'm saying? But unless you, you create a scenario in where you're providing additional profitability either through revenue generation or through efficiencies you know what i mean to where it adds more to the bottom line for a company for the government to be more efficient whatever it is you don't deserve to make any more and i think that i think in my opinion a lot of that stuff because again i studied it in business school right a lot of that stuff is not sustainable so i would challenge you and say no i, I think some of the stuff you're saying maybe they're they're i take it back not maybe 
there is always going to be a slide towards those people trying to make more and more money for themselves. It, there are selfish people and there always will be. I don't care how you try and govern around that. It's going to be impossible to stop because I would tell you too, the people that are in government and I have a hard time with this and I don't necessarily say it's not fair for them to make a better living. I don't know how your wealth continues to increase, 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 increase when you're serving the people. It's what, a very fair question. What was the last part of that? When your when your wealth continues to increase as you're serving the people, you yeah. come in with a lower net wealth and and come out with a much higher net worth. And I, you know what I mean, net worth is what I'm saying. In over those years, I don't think it's, I don't believe for the majority of those situations that it's because you're an amazing investor. Yeah, I just I just don't see that being the case. And I'm not necessarily saying that's wrong. Yeah, but you also have to look at that. So if we're really saying a lot of these people on those parties, both sides, mm-hmm. both sides are there for the people and whatever, that's not possible. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying it's not wrong because everybody wants to make more. So if you take that from that situation there and then go and apply it to the same as the businesses, why is this one okay and this one's not? That's not right. Why? Why is it okay for other people to generate more and more wealth year over year, make more and more money, uh-huh. right? Serving the people, but the people that are in private business we, we hammer on them because they make more and more themselves and don't dis, don't distribute it back down to their company or whoever else and, and take care of their employees more and more and more every time. I agree. I don't think that but if some you're... people have that argument, I'm not saying just you. Yeah. They point to that and they say, you know, because again, I think you're rational. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why I would have a discussion with yeah. you. But other people want to say, no, no, no. It's just the private companies. It's the wealthy. It's the 1%. We got to tax the hell out of them. What about these people over here that are setting the tax rates, but they're the ones that are making more and more money supposedly serving you? How does that work? And they're going to get paid in perpetuity. Yeah, I disagree with career politicians as well. But yeah, uh, yeah. so my my thing my my point to all of that, I feel that I've just really lost faith in in that people are going to be ultimately very rational and try to come up with um, a different way. If you came to me in running a business and I generate and take care of our teams, right? But the best of my ability that I'm going to get capped at what I can do because now more and more of that money has to go to somebody else. Why would I want to continue to generate? Not capped, but you pay no, you fair share of taxes. Because at some point you hit another bracket and you take a huge chunk of that money and it, and it leaves me, right? What would be the point for me to generate more and more opportunity for those that are below me? This is capitalist, right? That's a capitalist mindset. Mm-hmm. Why would I do that? The truth is, why should I do that? If, if, the, if, the next, if the next echelon that I'm going to go to is literally in ratio to benefit people far greater than benefit me, you're going to tell me it's just because I should be a good person? Well, okay. No, well, that's, I mean, that's getting into sort of a, a detailed tax thing that I'm not prepared to discuss right now because I, I don't think it's as clear and cut as you present it right now. Look, there, there definitely is clear cut ways and clear cut pathways to go and say, if you make X amount of money a year, you're going to get hit in this tax bracket. Right? So why would you want to continue to take your wealth higher and higher at some point? If you know, you're going to end up giving up a whole lot more of it, maybe because hopefully you can outstrip that by earnings even more. Right. But you can literally take a big, and I've had conversations with employees that are like, look, if I make X amount more, I'm actually going to get taxed harder. I'd actually take home less. Mm-hmm. That's a problem, right? It's a reality, but that's a problem. And those people are general or in general are earners and providers. 
of revenues and such like that for a company that also help provide additional jobs because of, you know, needing to keep up with that. Right. So that's, that's the imbalance. And I don't have, I don't have a good answer for it. D like, I really don't, but I think those are real things that need to be talked about. And those are things I think about as I know if, you know, if it goes one way or the other, my taxes are probably going to be hit differently over time. Like that sucks. <laughs> right. So I have to work even harder to hopefully maintain where I was before that, you know, that's a reality. And, and, and to some people, they're going to say that's fair, but why is that fair to me? Yeah. Well, it's, um, so your cons, I don't want to spend the whole time on this. <laughs> um, so your concern is over like Biden proposed over $400,000 salary would pay more in taxes. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying that I hit that or don't hit that. Right. But there's a lot of people that do. Mm-hmm. And while I understand saying we got to get money, so go get it from the people that can quote unquote afford it, right? Um, I would tell you this, everybody lives a lifestyle based upon what they can what they what they can consume, right? And I don't I don't believe it comes down to a lot of personal beliefs, right? I don't believe that's the best way to do it because maybe because I'm an earner and I'm a, somebody that goes hundred miles an hour at all day long and can provide that. I don't know. But, and it's not just based on tax stuff. I think my whole thing was where it started. And I realized it slid this way was my, my idea of just having rational discussion and rational conversation and like rational points of view where everything's been highly emotionalized and strung out. Like I said, from a marketing perspective, it's all about marketing and advertising at this point. I mean, even to the point where, you know, I was laughing because somebody was telling me that they didn't believe in the moral, like if you're, if you're a morals person or whatever, you're voting for Biden, right? This is a comment somebody made. And I'm like, okay, I would not disagree with the fact that I don't think Trump is by any means the moral standard. You know what I mean? In fact, he's probably far less than that, right? And I'm not necessarily a Trump lover. You follow what I'm saying? But I don't know how you would come up with a statement like that in a rational human being about Biden being the moral guy when you look at his background. And there's a lot of things from a traditional standpoint that would make you challenge the idea that he's morally a struggle too. You know what I mean? So I, I just, it doesn't, you know, I voted Trump, but I, I just, I don't see it as, as something being. I don't think, I don't think that person framed it properly in that. I think I'm extremely disheartened to see that half of America is um, okay with the racism uh, stirring a vile conversation, most likely corrupt, patting his own pockets, uh, doing business while in office, um, basically tearing down all establishment of democracy, questioning everything that, you know, people believe in and just sit by and say, okay, it's extremely disheartening that that just like shatters everything that you would hope America has progressed beyond by this point. And to just overlook that and just be like, well, I like, I like his tax laws. It's just so like, ugh. <laughs> and, and it's, it's just like run over by a truck. Dude, I think, but that's what's, what's funny is I agree with you. I totally agree with you. You know what I mean? I don't like, I don't like either one. I don't. 
from from a personal standpoint and you know the part that makes me laugh instead of cry right is i'm like i have to pick between these two guys like seriously right i remember was there even an independent person running i don't even think there was right but it's like because that's where i I had shaded years past right because i hated the other two people and i'm like this is the only one that's got any decency and until i learned why the independent is never going to win i'm like well (laughs) that's kind of a waste you know what i'm saying so um yeah, I don't disagree with you. But when I think they both are, are just as terrible as the other one, my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Neither one of them is somebody I would tell my son to look up to or my daughter or anybody else. Please do not strive to be like this individual. Like that's what I would be saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, just based off of what I'm led to believe on both sides, right? And I don't know the guy. I've never sat down and had a conversation with you know President Trump. I've never sat down and had a conversation with Vice President Biden. I never have. You know what I mean? And so I don't know. All I know is the stuff that I've been fed through media outlets and channels and everything else. And then looking at policies and whatever else, right? That's all I have to go off of. That's all we have to go off of, you know, being the vast majority of the people because none of us have sat down and done those things. So I just, man, I, I, I'm stuck. And, and that's where it's like, I feel like there isn't any true rational way to go about it. I don't think you can get any truth out of anybody anymore from a meet. You used to be able to turn on the news and like journalism was a, was a, um, it was a profession that there was a lot of like clout with, you know what I mean? And, and you reported the truth no matter what it was. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't, that, that like, how do we know what's true now or not? There's enough question every time you see something to be like, is this really correct or not? Which is, which is a problem. Cause it might even be true, but now you just don't know if it really is true or not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, so I don't know. I, I don't know what to believe. And I don't think people are rational and because, and maybe not of their own doing, you know what I mean? Except for the fact where I think it was started to get beat up because everybody, you know, deserves a trophy, but we'll talk about that on another one. But, um, but yeah, I just, it, it's a struggle, man. And as I'm watching it this morning, you know, and talking about it with a few different people, both sides, mm-hmm. right. It's, it's a general sentiment. It's just like, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and you know, and you know, it's not going to be over for another three or four months, right? Like you, we already know that. And we're smiling about that because we know there's BS that's going on in one form or another, you know, and what BS, I don't know, but if it was clear cut, it would be done. That's another thing is the, the just constant wielding of the Supreme court and the DOJ as like his own bodyguards. It's just, <sighs> I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> it's just going to be a heavy day, buddy. It's just going to be a heavy day. So the only good, the only, the only thing I can, I, I'll take out of this. I have a trip to make this, this coming weekend. And, uh, you know, I was a little leery about that and stuff. And, and, but I, the saving grace is, well, at least I know the riots and stuff or whatever's going to happen. Won't happen for at least another couple of weeks. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about it this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and then the last thing that I wanted to say was, um, the other frustrating part about this whole thing is that what it, it's a lot less this year, but usually it's like, I think it's 30% this year, but it could be up to almost 50% of Americans that just don't participate at all. And then there's, um, you know, a third of the population that are stuck in whatever side they want and they don't really look into any information. They just vote the R or the D. 
and then there's some percentage of extremists that just are hardcore, whoever it is, uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> and then there's just this small sliver in the middle that do the work or right. do their research, try to figure out the best way. And that's who decides the fate. <laughs> Ugh. It's nasty. It's just so disheartening. It's nasty. Right. And I, I don't, I, you know, I know I've said this the last couple of weeks, you know, as we've been talking off and on or whatever, I, not that anybody's looking for me to, uh, to me for it, but I don't have a good answer. I mean, the only thing, you know, in different things that I've dealt with in business, it's like when something's not working or it feels messed up, you, you smash the whole thing down and rebuild it. Right. I mean, that's what you do from a product standpoint, from a business plan standpoint, like you, you analyze, you do whatever, you break it down and then you build it back up. Mm-hmm. If you were to take that same theory to what we're talking about right now, could it work? Yeah, but it's scary as hell. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you have no trust in the process, people that have gone, that have zoned out about the whole idea, you know what I mean? Like you're, it feels like it's lost, right? Which is what you're essentially saying because that's why we feel disheartened. We feel like you have no hope for it. And when you have no hope, that's the scary thing, right? So I, you know, I, I don't know if there's any way to quote unquote fix it in the state that it's currently in. There's some type of thing that has to be highly unsettling to make the base shake to where you have to rebuild. And history shows that in a lot of different ways. I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> I just don't know. I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, if you actually listen to this episode, there's nothing here. Sorry. I <laughs> uh, hope you learned something. <laughs> oh, or at least you can identify or at least know that there's other people out there that feel like, ugh, you know what I mean? You're not alone in that feeling at least. So we'll, uh, I guess we'll get to this. We get back on topic. I know you probably wanted to do that anyways. Yeah. On, we'll, the, next, on the next show. but Yeah, we'll get back to this uh, next time. Maybe I'll be in a better frame of mind. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for talking, Jason. Got a few more days to go on this. We'll see how it goes. All right. Thanks. You need to go for a run or something, dude. This show is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star rating and a review on your preferred podcasting app. It helps others find us, and your support is the only way that this show grows. And don't forget to connect with us through our Facebook community, Instagram, and see the random thoughts and articles that we share on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for spending some time with us. Talk soon.
Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.